Hello, welcome to Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Kevin Hitchings. And I'm Brandy Hughes. And today we want to discuss Bill C-228, also known as an act to amend the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act, the Companies Creditors Arrangements Act, and the Pension Benefits Standard Act of 1985. Rolls off the tongue. It's uh, largely a bill, there's other things in here, of course, but largely a bill to protect workers because uh, in past bankruptcy would happen and the workers would basically get hosed there is an order in which people are supposed to get paid when a company goes into bankruptcy they're supposed to pay their uh, suppliers first so anyone they've been buying parts from things like that and then pay unpaid fishermen and farmers uh, you would think those would be suppliers though but mm. I'm not sure why they're the separate thing or second thing or why they would get paid after other suppliers. Also, aquaculturists, whatever that is. Yeah, I saw that there, but didn't think I'd be able to get the word out. So <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm pleased to pronounce it for you. But they're a type of farmer, aquaculturist. Aquaculturist. Those people. That would probably be like farmed fish or yeah. um, shrimp or maybe, I don't know, do they farm seaweed? Possibly, but specialized farmers is what they are, so I figured they'd count as farmers and I wouldn't have to try and say the word. Would that be the sea salt farmers? I don't think so, but maybe. (laughs) Um, Next would be source deductions, are part of your pay. They get paid directly to the government by the corporation. So employment insurance, pension plan, or Quebec pension plan, things like this. Um, Those are all source deductions that are part of staffing. Those get paid to the government because the government needs theirs. I find it interesting that they mention unpaid wages up to $2,000. Now, that would cover most of us, unless you worked a ton of overtime. But there are probably some people working in some fields who would be out a certain amount of pay if $2,000 is the cap. Yeah, so that's actually the next section. It would be the employee compensation, where it's 200 and sometimes it's bulked together in one group, but it actually gets paid after the source deductions. So the employees are getting paid quite a ways down the line um, after that to it would be the pension after that. So you'd get your up to $2,000 or whatever, which for a lot of people would cover it. But It's of lost wages, yeah. Yeah, but for some people, depending on how much you're making, would not, of course. Uh, and then your pension contributions after that. And then it goes down into creditors and things like that. We don't have to put on all the different levels of creditors. But, uh, yeah, basically employees are, um, other than just loans right at the bottom of the pile kind of thing i found this sentence interesting um it says funding for defined benefit plans uh which we have is dependent on a combination of legislative requirements complex actuarial input and numerous demographic and economic factors and assumptions as a result the degree to which a given defined benefit plan is fully funded and the employer's associated financial exposure or risk um, can fluctuate significant, significantly at any given point in time. Part of the fully funded thing, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. is basically your paper debt. So that's if the company were to go into bankruptcy and the entire pension had to be pulled out or paid out right away um, with no more contributions going in, what would that be? So that's what fully funded means is like, do you have enough in there to pay everybody for the next 20 years if the plan were to go under or if the company were to go under? Yeah, I noticed that they differentiate two major types of, like, unfunded 
pension plans, so they call them unfunded liability. So that's a deficit arising on the basis that the plan continues indefinitely, that it's going on forever. Or solvency deficit, a deficit arising if the plan were wound up today. Right, and that's the paper deficit we talk about. That's what they often give us when they talk about the deficit in our pension plan. So one of the things to note here is that pension contributions are paid after all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So if there's a, that's not just like the pension contributions for that pay period, that would be the pension contributions for that solvency deficit. Mm-hmm. So there may only be enough in the plan for a few years after this. Who knows? Um, pensions are, pension plans are generally investments though. So hopefully it would grow a little bit, mm-hmm. but you're, the bulk of it, of course, is new money going in. Uh, off every pay stub of, of employees and that would be paid out last which means your eventually your pension plan is going to basically disappear uh, again it's you know that money is invested so it'll grow a little bit but as they have to keep withdrawing from it they're gonna have to start selling their investments and it will run out uh, if it's not fully funded so correct me if i'm wrong but our plan is still facing this sort of um, unfunded due to or unfunded status because of um, loans that the corporation took out against the plan and was given um, was forgiven for repaying to my understanding they repaid most if not all of what they borrowed but they put it back years later so again pension plans are built to be invested and grow based on the investment. So everything that they lost on the investments and the interest, that was not repaid. Right. And likely never will be, or that's pretty much it. I don't know. It just seems to me that, you know, maybe you take a base percentage, like two or something, and say if you borrow against it, you got to contribute that much interest for the length of time that you borrowed it, right? Yeah. There's uh, EFTs or things that, take a whole bunch of different stocks into account you look at one of those and say here's what the general market grew as mm. or what your current investment portfolio is what if you had that the whole time there's ways they could have done it but they didn't uh the other thing is they changed the formula um this is one of the things harper did and uh, bill Mornor promised to fix when the liberals took over and did not but they changed the formula of how the solvency deficit is calculated Mm-hmm. And it was basically a plan to eliminate uh, defined benefit pension plans and put them all into defined contribution. Defined benefit plans, uh, there's a couple problems as far as corporations are concerned. One is that they're basically on the hook for paying out the pension uh, no matter what you put into it. You know, there can be negotiations and changes over time, but if the market drops, you can't change things. And of course, again, they still have to pay that out. So if they're making less from their investments, they still have to pay it out. Uh, Defined contribution means you always put in the same amount, but but what you're getting paid changes. So if their investments are doing less well, you get paid less. And if your investments are doing really good, you might get paid more. But the corporation is kind of off the hook for everything because if your uh, investments tank, then they're not responsible for making up that loss in any way. So it shifts all the all the risk from the employer to the employee. And also, uh, because there's so much more monitoring, 
the the big companies that manage these pensions, like Bill Morneau, who's our former finance finance minister, have to monitor it a lot more and get paid a lot more, which means a chunk of your pension is going to these pension companies rather than back to the workers who earned it. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously industry likes that. More money taken from the employees and given to these large companies. Well, and I think it's not only just the amount of money that's contributed at the beginning. It's that if there's a, if you're not guaranteeing a certain income at the time that they're withdrawing the pension, then if it doesn't perform as well as predicted in the market, you're off the hook. You know that's why they were trying to push us to that defined contribution rather than defined benefit. Is it? It means that we have no guarantees of how much income we're going to have in retirement, but also that they are not forced to guarantee that we will have a livable income. Right. So there's Chapter 11 and Chapter 13 bankruptcies in the U.S., and a lot of people use those phrases in Canada. They're, they don't exist. It's personal bankruptcy and then uh, a consumer proposal is what they call the equivalent of a Chapter 13 in the U.S. So a consumer proposal basically means your corporation can keep running, keep operating, but they kind of get relief. They have to pay as much as they can, but they're allowed to restructure, put some debts on hold. There's a whole bunch of rules and complications to it. It's basically a, a, a negotiation that you have with your your creditors that you will pay a, a portion of what you owe them as opposed to paying them nothing because you're going to declare bankruptcy. Yeah. Right. So while you're in one of these consumer proposals, you're supposed to take any measures you can to avoid shutting down the business. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the issues here is that there are procedures, but they can go and who they're supposed to pay things out to. And they can say, well, we have to start, usually have to start paying some of the debts. So start paying the suppliers in that order that we listed before. Um, you'd have to pay at least some of those or start making payments or plans to pay those while you're rebuilding. You can't just put everything on hold necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, although some things can be, but what you can do is you can go to a judge and say, Hey, we, it has to be approved. We have to change things or reorder things. And if this benefits different sides or benefits people, then the judge can change or actually kind of has to change because they got to look out for the best interest of everyone involved and companies will go in there and they will say, look, the best interest of everybody is to keep the corporation running mm-hmm. because we can pay out some of the employees' salary that they've lost and some of their benefits and some of their pension, or we can fix the company and keep all these people uh, at status quo indefinitely. Sometimes, or most times, that's less people because a lot of times that involves selling off assets, selling off stores and whatnot, but the people that remain will be better protected and then people in future will be better protected. One of the things they will do frequently is they will go to a judge and say, well, we need stability in the corporation and having lack of stability hurts the corporation. Therefore, we have to keep our executives. And to keep our executives, we have to offer them compensation and to pay them the proper compensation after we've paid our suppliers and after we've paid our source deductions, the only thing left is the pension fund. So let's take the pension and give it to our executives. And if they can make a reasonable case that this will help keep the company in existence, then the judge pretty much has to allow that. And this has happened many times uh, where companies have just basically taken the employees' entire pensions, given it to the executives, 
and then shortly thereafter say, oh, it didn't work. We're going bankrupt anyway. Company shuts down. The executives walk away with their bonuses, you know, their retention bonuses. Yeah, and that's the goal of this is to make it so that those pensions are are part of the first things that are paid out so that it's guaranteed that that those those benefits that those employees earned because pensions are an earned benefit it's part of your compensation and so for them to steal it from you after you've already paid into it that's epic bs i mean it's something you've already earned and you deserve you're entitled to it you should be able to take it with you if the company's folding you should be able to roll that money into another retirement vehicle of some kind right because pension is really started your wages it's money they've already given to you right that they've essentially invested on your behalf it's your money mm-hmm. that they invest in the pension plan at your behalf so they're if they're so if they're doing this they're basically taking your investment that you've earned away from you cashing it for themselves mm-hmm. there's no logical way that this makes sense because it's well, part greed. of your salary and money that you've already earned right yeah uh, it's corporate greed is what it is but realistically uh, we're not the only bargaining agent that has traded other benefits for keeping our pension plan because as you say it is money you've earned it is it is compensation it's part of your salary and uh during the last round of go- on your t4 it does and in the last round of negotiations um some of us might remember that canada post claimed that the posty the average postal worker was making i think it was like Forty-five or forty-eight dollars an hour. Yeah. Because when it benefits them, they count this into your wage. To you make know? it look like we're overpaid and. Yeah, pension. and it technically is like when you count yes. the the EI contributions and the uh, pension contributions and everything else, and the employer side of all these. Yeah, our wage is significantly higher than what you actually see in your paycheck. But that calculation is inherently flawed in that um, if you're saying that we make whatever the number was, forty-eight dollars an hour. And they're they're average, they're figuring out that hourly wage based on what you make in a year, but you're not actually making it this year. You're making it twenty years from now. So perhaps they need to take into account the average length of time that a person collects a pension and and calculate like well, based on that many years rather get, than based on this year. You get paid now and it's invested now, you just don't get the earnings well, we from that investment it. later. And you're gonna use it to live to Well eat, you to get pay it, your, but it's invested for bills. you. So yeah, you don't get it in your bank account, but it's right. still yours. Right, but if you used it now, if you could get it now, you would be epically hosed at yeah. the end of your lifetime when you needed to pay for things when you're no longer working. So unfortunately, though, most ununionized Canadians are hosed at the end of their working I years. recognize that, right. but this is why we must fight to protect it so that, you know, this is one of those things where... Yeah, the general public might think it's unfair that those people have this beautiful defined benefit pension, but the goal of the labor movement is not to bring us all to the lowest common denominator. It's to rise us up and to um, to raise us up and to have everyone have what what the most the most benefited people have. This is one of the good things that's come out of the pandemic is that a lot of people have really realized that you know their work life sucks, and mm-hmm. some powers are turning to the workers. And that's what brings bills like Bill C-228 forward because this isn't the first time something like this has come up. It's the first time something like this has got to third reading and is in the Senate. Without a whole lot of backlash. Yeah. So it's been shot down many times where they've tried to protect workers' pensions and workers' rights and uh, generally just gets 
whittled away until it's watered down to nothing. Do you think that the reason that it's having such a smooth ride right now is that so many workers have realized that they don't, in actuality, want to work at the crappy jobs they've been at? <laughs> well, that's what that's what gave the onus to do it in the first place, I think, and, and that the labor movement is is gaining strength. Otherwise, I don't think they even would have bothered putting it forward in the first place. Hmm. I, I think the reason it's having a relatively smooth ride is because of this confidence and supply agreement that the Liberals and the NDP have. Um, the Conservatives know they can't really stop it. They know it would be super unpopular right now to stop it. But, you know, a Conservative government would never, ever even consider this. But the coalition we have right now, uh, I know it's not really a coalition, uh, even though that's the way some people like to portray it. But uh, this supply agreement is really something that the NDP would really, really want. And the Liberals are fairly labor-friendly right now, uh, partly because of this supply and confidence agreement. And that's why it's going through uh, so relatively smoothly. Uh, but it's not, you know, it's not like it's getting a free ride yet. Um, you know, the Senate can offer a lot of amendments, can slow things down, uh, can cause a lot of problems. I know a lot of people say the Senate is useless and unelected, but uh, they are there for a reason, and they can uh, have a pretty significant effect on things uh, when they want to. They don't often that often, but uh, they can. One of the things you can do is go to canadianplan.ca. This is the Canadian Labour Congress website. And uh, their website changes all the time. So right now it's the first thing on their, their page, but it may change. But they'll actually have a, uh, uh, a form there where you just put in your, your name, your email, your postcode, and it'll basically send a form letter to your senator. And, uh, you know, your senator is based on your postcode. And just let them know that you want this bill to pass smoothly and you want your pension protected. Um, which... You know, sounds like something a postal worker may not be too worried about. But when you think about it, Canada Post were required to stay um, self-sufficient. Usually the numbers the corporation puts out saying we're in trouble are BS. But during the pandemic, I think we probably have actually been losing a lot of money, I would think. It wouldn't be shocking if the Conservative government came back and said, okay, well, we're non-profitable, we gotta get rid of the Canada Post Act. Um, because we got rid of the Canada Post Act, they're not mandatory anymore, therefore the company goes into bankruptcy and all of a sudden we're in this boat, okay? Um, which would be a step onto privatization because a company in bankruptcy sells for nothing and they don't care about making money, they just care about privatizing, right? For ideological reasons. So it sounds like something we're, we're safe on, but, you know, and we likely are, but the other, what's that? For now. For now. But it's not unimaginable that this could occur to us. And Certainly again, not. They've no. been threatening it for contracts now. For decades. And, and they've been attacking our pension regularly as well, coming after that. The other thing here is that, again, like Brand mentioned, the labor movement isn't about any one union, isn't about us, isn't about any other union, isn't about the the SDLC or the SFL or the CLC or any of these other acronyms. It's about all workers mm -hmm. and all workers deserve a 
respectful retirement where they can live in dignity and not go from, you know, working their whole life straight into poverty. Yeah, we deserve to actually get to eat the carrot at the end rather than just having it dangled in front of us for 30 years. And I like carrots, especially with some hummus. I love carrots. Yep. Better from the garden, though. For sure. So, yeah, I would encourage you to go to the CanadianPlan.ca and sign that petition. Or not really petition, sign, uh, send a letter to your senator. Because uh, that's where it is right now, and it's doesn't have quite a. It's been fairly smooth till now, but it doesn't really have a, a smooth road to completion. There's always that risk. Um, yes. it, it could very well be finalized this spring right. if it gets support. So. And even though it is something the the NDP would obviously support, it's not part of the supply and confidence agreement. Hmm. So the Liberals could at any time, and they are very susceptible to lobbying. Uh, one of the things the liberals like to do is like imply things or start things or study things and see what the blowback is. You know, they very rarely promise things. They promise to look into things or to try things, but you know, if they're getting too much blowback and some heavy lobbying is, could convince them to vote against this, uh, and all of a sudden it's gone. So it is important that we make sure that the lobbyists aren't the only thing the government hears. In the past, the corporation has gone after the pensions and a lot of the, um, some of the more senior members have said, well, I'm going to be retired soon anyway. Once I'm retired, they can't touch my pension. That's not true. Right. Um, the pension plan can change any time, whether you don't retire for 20 years or whether you've been retired for 20 years. If the pension plan changes, it can affect you. So this is about protecting all of our futures. And it's not just the changes to the pension plan. There could be changes to the benefits that you get. Like I know with our union, you can have post-retirement benefits, like health health and drug benefits. Um, and if, the, if those plans change, well, you could go from being able to afford your medications to not. So how does that look when you're living on a a set income and you have no means to increase it? Right. It's not like you can sign up for overtime. You're not in the workplace. And that's not part of C228, but it's part of the the general movement and the, the, the momentum we want things going in. Um, things don't usually change 360, you know. Things slowly shift to the right and slowly shift to the left. And right now things are going to the left, which benefits workers. But uh, we want to keep that momentum going into things like protecting, you know, uh, all these other benefits that we have. Hopefully protecting dental won't be a problem anymore as we'll have universal dental care. But uh... I think this is part of part of the big push here and why this is happening now is that there's a recognition that um, retired or, or aging workers live with a certain amount of insecurity. You know, there's there's doubts as to whether they'll be able to feed themselves next year or five years from now or ten years from now, whether they'll be able to travel, whether they'll be able to see their loved ones. Um, and, and I mean, part of that is, is medical and that none of us knows what kind of conditions will develop as we age, but you know, it, it makes you feel like at least the financial, if you've been paying into something your entire working career, you feel like maybe you should have at least financial security going into that. And, you know, I know there's people who would argue that that is a 
the time of having that luxury is past and that's something that our parents or our grandparents enjoyed and that maybe we shouldn't expect it but I feel like that's just selling us short like why would we be wanting to aim for less than what was in the past well and, and better incomes are going to make healthier people going to keep you out of the healthcare system mm -hmm. going to keep you out of the care homes and that's another thing the pandemic shone a really bright light on was how horrible especially the private uh, care homes are mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of spin-off benefits to this as well. So please go to canadianplan.ca, sign that petition before, again, the site changes all the time, so I don't know how long it'll be there. Hopefully it'll scroll down, it'll be there for a while. I did that today just in case. We'll put that uh, link in the show notes. Uh, check out our Facebook page, and we will talk to you in another couple of weeks after you've filled out that form. We won't let them listen if they haven't signed the form? No, permanent ban. Because <laughs> we're so tracking that. All right. <laughs> we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening.